Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Second hour is here, Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. From Los Angeles, Radio Row, Super Bowl 56. Gentlemen, got the big media party tonight at we Universal Studios. Never been to Universal Studios, which makes sense because I've never been to L.A. before yeah. this week. And I haven't made it to Universal Studios this week. I haven't had the time. I, but I'll what? make it there tonight. I, I think I was there as a younger man, but I don't, uh, I don't recall it in particular. My brother lived here for, uh, for a time and worked in Hollywood. And I think I hit all that stuff, but uh, it's all kind of a blur. It's going to be a blast. Looking forward to it for yeah, sure. Yeah, it should be good. Should We've be had some good. really interesting media party venues uh, over the years, and uh, this one is right up there with uh, an interesting spot for a media party. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, we've been to museums, aquariums. Hud uh, and I saw Gin Blossoms play <laughs> in a, on, a, on a dude ranch, I think is where we were. I mean, it was way out. We, we in, in Phoenix. Saddled up some horses and listened to Gin yeah, Blossoms. And we did. Yeah. I can't quit you. This is where <laughs> this is where Hutton's love affair began. Was in Phoenix was that? for that Super Bowl. Um, coming up, we've got uh, Trey Wingo who's going to join us here at our broadcast side. Looking forward to that. Uh, Brian Harson is back at Auburn, uh, and a week where I mean we we sat here on Monday discussing if he was going to return from Mexico to get fired. Well, he, he returns on time, goes to a coach's meeting, and then the next day it's announced that he's coming back. Everything's it's fine. Such an odd the circumstances bizarre. around the coach's meeting where he, he didn't comment, but he didn't know if he was going to be the coach or not when he's at the SEC coaches right. meeting. Uh, our, our buddy Jim Dunaway with the next round in Birmingham had a hilarious tweet I was showing Paul. Oh, so good. It was a brilliant tweet, but it was video of Harson avoiding the media and not saying a word to them on the way to his car, and he's being driven. Mm-hmm. And um, the video, so he weaves, he goes left around one SUV, then around the, right the back front to where of he the started. SUV, then right back to where he started to the passenger side where the door is open for him, and he goes. And <laughs> he Jim, could have gone directly to this car. Instead, he went around this car back like a figure eight to this car. And Jim Dunaway tweeted, Brian Harson's route to his vehicle was more sophisticated than anything in the Gus Malzahn route tree <laughs> that he ran at Auburn, uh, which was a, a terrific tweet. But, no, I mean, it, it's a strange, strange time uh, at Auburn because well, they essentially it, – it's the equivalent of punching yourself in the face repeatedly for no reason. They're keeping their coach after one year that everyone thought he wasn't getting fired after a year after launching an investigation for reasons we don't really know – and now there's no smoking gun, no proof of anything, so they just have to make an announcement. Hey, we looked into some stuff, and it's not true, and we released all these statements about our coach, but, but he's our coach. But they had a coordinator come and go, and another coordinator leave for a three or $400,000 pay cut, uh, and things just don't look They had good. a player post on Instagram that Brian Harson treats players like dogs. Mm-hmm. 
You know, so there was there was those things happening too. It has the appearance of, and this is, happens often at Auburn, uh, which is a, a little bit Tough more. Job. Well, Auburn is historically they they meddle. The boosters at Auburn, the people around the university meddle with the the programs a lot, and we've seen that with different instances of that over the years, but. It seems to me like there were some influential boosters that wanted to get the coach fired, and well, they failed in doing so. Then pony up and pay the buyout if that's the case. Um, he was he was going to be owed over eighteen million, which is seventy percent of the remaining contract, and nearly half of that, nine point one million, would have been due within the next thirty days. So if you're going to fire him, you're looking to fire him with cause, and they couldn't find it. Well, or see, otherwise he wouldn't be the head coach today. I don't think the university ever wanted to fire him. I think what was going on was some people with deep pockets and a lot of money started to get some things that they were hearing out there in the public in hopes that it would get him fired because they don't have the, the power to fire. So there was enough smoke out there where the university had to look into it. And then they were hoping, well, if they find something, they'll fire, fire with cause, fire for whatever reason. Didn't find anything, obviously, and now Brian Harson's the coach. Well, I mean. Who wants to go work for him at Auburn if you uh, have other options? Well, I know I mean, he's going to be fired after this season. Like, like, if you look around and you look at the, the depth of the SEC West, I mean, it was already an uphill climb. But now look at the coaches he's coaching against and consider the fact that he's likely, I mean, staring down the barrel of a four- or five-win season. Well, He's, he's fired then, after the season. Then fire him now Well, because you at least start the clock. If you, you, if you fire clock. a guy after one year, you're probably hurting your program for two more years after that. If you do this you know, lame duck game where he comes back and he's going to get fired after next year anyways, it's, four year it's, it's a three-, four-year process. I, yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, if you know it's inevitable, you've got to rip the Band-Aid off. It, it feels inevitable. I mean, it, it does feel inevitable. It's going to be inevitable. tough for him to live up to expectations given the fact that they're sitting where they're sitting. They they're they're in the SEC West, and they're it's probably a four and six, five and seven season coming out. And it's going to be painful for whoever's got that job. That's and, and, one of the and most Thanksgiving weekend. Ever. The guy should have been Alabama. Yep, a team that ended up playing for a national championship and his chief rival. I he think almost how much year easier one. life would be if if they finished that game off. I mean, Derek Mason's taking a four hundred thousand dollar pay cut to get out of there. Uh, there's just. There's the story about him at Arkansas State where apparently they were close to firing him with cause at Arkansas State before he left for Boise State. Some strange things going on in the Plains. Well, and I mean, they're eighth in, in the SEC, ninth in the SEC in recruiting, 17th nationally, and that was in December. They didn't sign anybody on National Signing Day. Yeah, and they, well, they lost 21 players also in the transfer portal. So that was a big part of this as well, with so many guys leaving. Paul, big night last night at the NFL Honors, and we learned the class of 2022 for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And it did. we learned it all together. It didn't leak out early. That's just really, uh, really the most remarkable thing. Good about job the not whole, leaking, Paul. Deal, Good job. I think. Um, and, and to be honest, you know, the year before the first virtual meeting, we weren't told the final five. Uh, and, and we were kind of insulted by the fact that we weren't told the final five. I mean, here we're cast in a role of newsmaker instead of news reporter, which is which is an awkward place to be. But we felt like they didn't trust us, um, you know, and we raised it as an issue. It, it, the bylaws don't say that you vote 
thumbs up and thumbs down on the final ten, presuming that they're the final five. And they didn't rewrite those bylaws. Okay. And so we kind of pointed that out. You're asking us to vote thumbs up and thumbs down. They have to get 80% of the vote on the final five. Well, the first year they had us do that on the final ten, presuming if this guy's in the final five, would you vote thumbs up or thumbs down on him? Well, this year, over the course of the meeting, after they heard us out on this, they said, okay, we're going to tell you the final five, and we're trusting it's a, it's a contract, really, the, the bylaws and the participation in this. So the 49 of us knew who the final five were, and then since January 18th, now you don't know that they get the 80%, but they generally do, plus the three you know, who are in the special committees put forth. And then they gradually call the guys who don't make it to tell them, I know Willie Anderson knew he hadn't made it the time that we talked to him uh, when the Bengals had made the Super Bowl. And then in late January, they went to each of the five, each of the, uh, the eight, to tell them that they were in. And this secret held all the way through. There was no Adam Schefter getting it, no, no nothing, which is really That's great. Uh, an impressive deal. So uh, Dave Baker's not, no longer the guy that knocks on the door. So what they did is they had Hall of Famers go. And deliver the news. So Tony Baselli was Where is at, a, Dave Baker? at a friend's house. He's retired as, okay. the, as the president. Tony Baselli was at a friend's house, um, and there was a knock on the door, and his buddy said, hey, can you get the door for me? He opens the door. Anthony Munoz is there and tells him. And then his wife and a whole bunch of their friends and their whole family is there and comes into the house. Bryant Young was uh, on a day date with his wife and everything. They were kind of talking about it, and he said, well, you know, you'd actually know before I would probably. And, and she said, what makes you think that, you know, and everything. And they go home that night, and it winds up Charles Haley knocks on their door. That's awesome. Um, and so I don't know the rest. We didn't get a chance to ask all of them, but uh, they'll have a special uh, on Saturday, I think, an hour-long special that shows all of these reveals with a Hall of Famer telling each of them. I hope they show it in the Super Bowl coverage on the – Eight hours of Super Bowl coverage on Sunday. Also, well, they'll announce the pregame. I'd love to see it. Yeah, yeah. pregame. I'm saying I'd like to see. I'd like to see the reveals with the Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. They'll probably cut back to it. I'm sure. So it was. It was pretty cool. I had a chance to say hello to Baselli last night. It's it's weird. We get front row seats, and there were only four or five selectors there last night. But we're not necessarily the primary people asking questions. Uh, So I have very good view for for pictures and stuff. Got a chance to talk to Baselli. I got a chance to talk to Bryant Young. Uh, who I just told that Matt Mayoko, a good friend of mine, did such a great job presenting uh, him, which he appreciated hearing, and I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll thank Matt, not that he wouldn't have anyway. So Leroy Butler, Sam Mills, Tony Baselli, Richard Seymour, and Bryant Young. No wide receivers. Plus Dick Vermeil, Art McNally, and I'm going to forget uh, Cliff Branch. So the, a senior, a coach, and a contributor. The first official ever in Art McNally. Um, yeah, no wide receiver. Now, you had three-way wrestling match there. Reggie Wayne, Torrey Holt, and Andre Johnson for the first time. Andre Johnson did make the 10, and the other two didn't make it out of the 15. So Andre Johnson has jumped to the front of that line. Honestly, I think Andre Johnson probably was the guy who would have got the fifth spot Sam Mills was in his last year, and I think generally we've, like two years ago, Clay Matthews was in his last year, and it was the first time he ever got discussed. Um, If you don't make it in your last year as a modern candidate, there are 58, like, uh, um, 
you know, big time guys who are in that pool and one gets in a year. It's, it's impossible to make it as a veterans committee guy. And so that was a lot of the thing with Mills. This is the last chance to get Mills in or odds are Mills doesn't get in. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Yes or no? And we collectively thought he was a Hall of Famer. He's got statues outside the stadium in Carolina and in New Orleans where both franchises hold him in such high esteem, and he did so much for those two teams. I think he's absolutely a Hall of Famer. There was talk in, in, uh, in Carolina when he first got there of cutting him, and uh, I can't remember which coach said, you know, they were standing at, at practice talking about it, and they were like, you know, somebody said, well, I think we've got to cut him, and he said, and the good coach said, well, if you want to cut your best player, that, that's, a good, that's a good route to go. But he just overcame this size thing time and time again. The guy was an unbelievable player. Mike Vrabel named NFL Coach of the Year uh, last night among the awards. And uh, it was the momentum of getting the number one seed and all the injuries. It's well-deserved. He got 36 it's votes. well-deserved. Very, very well-deserved. Yes, and, and it, the, the wave of going from Belichick to LaFleur to Zach Taylor and ending on Vrabel, Vrabel into the season on top. Yeah. I was thinking during the day, what can I ask Mike Vrabel? I, I'm going to be able to get a question in probably on the Zoom press conference that would be different and telling here. And I went and looked at what Bill, if Bill Belichick won it during Vrabel's eight years, I think, in, in New England. He won it twice. And so, you know, I thought, you know, what does this mean to your players? He'd say, I don't know. You have to go ask my players. But I thought I could ask him, what did it mean to you when your coach won it? Would be reflective of what it might mean to his players. And in his initial comments, he said, you know, this is, is really about our coaching staff and our players, and it means a lot to them. So he said it meant he thinks it means a lot to the players. So I got the third question, and I said, Mike, when, when, when Belichick won this twice during your time in New England, what did it mean to you and, and the locker room? And he said, Paul, I don't remember Belichick winning it. I don't remember it being an event at all for us. So I thought that was interesting. I do think it means a lot to the players uh, f- for sure. I mean, they were asked about it during the season. Yep. They said they thought he was absolutely deserving. I think, you know, uh, Zach Taylor's team would have said that. Passaccia's team would have said that. Uh, everybody's team with a dog in the hunt would have said that. But I do think it is symbolic of what they did as a team with those 91 guys. Now, you know, the naysayers say, well, they should vote on it after the season because here's Zach Taylor at the Super Bowl, you know. But these are all regular season awards. That's why there's a Super Bowl MVP. Coming up, Demario Davis will join us, uh, former Arkansas State star. Uh, now he's starring on the Saints defense. And Trey Wingo, formerly of ESPN, and now with Caesars Sportsbook, Trey Wingo of Sports Center, formerly of Sports Center, joins us next on Radio Row here on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on from Radio Row at the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. Crew is all here, including... Uh, you're going to recognize the voice and the face. 
Trey Wingo, now with Caesars. Yeah, Caesars Sportsbook. Um, who would have thought, right? What, what a time to be alive. You're cutting edge. Yeah. Sure. Like, what is your official title with Caesars? Oh, it's, it's, the, it's the stupidest thing of all time. Did, you, did you get to come up with this? Did yeah, they pitch you're this an ambassador. Uh, but Chief Trends Officer and a brand ambassador. Uh, I, I asked if I could do uh, Grandmaster of Time, Space, and Dimension, and they said no. <laughs> that. So we settled on Chief Trends Officer and Brand Ambassador. So are you allowed to commit crimes and not be, not be charged? <laughs> no, I'm not like Drew Brees in New Orleans. No, I can't, I can't do that. I mean, no, but uh, it's it's fun. Like, it's basically, for me, just doing the same stuff I did uh, at ESPN, whether it was NFL Live, or the draft, or Golik and Wingo, talk about football and, and say why things are the way they are. Like, I'm not setting the odds. We have people that do that. Um, my job is to say why the odds are the way they are. So that's the fun part about it for me. How crazy is it that, <clears throat> I mean, five years ago, we wouldn't be talking about sports betting here. And yeah. now it's literally everywhere you look. Thank you, Supreme Court. Uh, yeah. They've created a cottage industry, right? Every corner of this room is represented. Uh, some other names that I can't mention are over there and over there. <laughs> I'm just not going to mention them because I work for Caesars. But, uh, yeah, remember 2014, Tony Romo couldn't have a fantasy football convention in right. a Las Vegas hotel. Oh, that's right. And now we have the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> so you're you're telling us why things are the way they are. Yeah. It sounds like uh, the industry is on the verge of chasing some of the guys who are the information guys. Absolutely. I think that's the next step. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if in a very short time we – you know we have a rules official in a booth right now? If we have an odds official, an odds – a sharp guy. Why is that play important? Well, just so you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, I think that's the next evolution, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, once the Supreme Court, thank you, opened up the floodgates, like, I don't understand why every state doesn't have legalized sports betting. You're just turning down revenue. You're yeah. literally turning down revenue. If, if everybody is concerned about how we're going to make things work, make money, and then it will work. How much would it mean uh, if, if a Schefter <clears throat> in his next contract goes to uh, a book? Well, I would never want to speak for Adam Schefter, but Adam, you know me. <laughs> you know me. Uh, I think it would be significant, and I, I think that is going to happen, whether it's Adam or or someone like Woj, or uh, somebody else from another place, I, I think that is absolutely going to be the next evolution. You were the ESPN for 23 years. Yeah. Was the transition difficult, different? What was it like leaving and starting at Caesars? Well, I, listen, I, I, I had one career goal when I started, because I grew up in Connecticut. And uh, I remember coming back from college, turning on ESPN. I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, what am I? Australian rules football and slow pitch softball and all this kind of stuff. So I had one goal. I wanted to work at ESPN. And I, if I'll be honest about it, the last few years, I was like, it doesn't feel the same. It didn't feel the same for me. I was looking for something. And uh, lo and behold, a bunch of stuff happened. And uh, that of great opportunities like Caesars and, you know, working with some other folks and the podcast. And uh, I got a call from a guy. A text message, actually, from a guy who got my number. I used to work with ESPN. You might know him, John Kozner. I know the uh, name. Was, was at .com for a long time and said, I have some people that want to talk to you. And I was like, John, I'm really good. Like, I like what I'm doing. I set my own schedule. He's like, you need to talk to these people. So I gave him my information. That was on a Sunday. They called on a Monday, set up a conference call on a Wednesday, and by Friday we had a deal in place, uh, which was amazing. And it's a lot of people that I used to work with at ESPN. So basically for me, I'm doing the same stuff that I used to do just in a different place with a lot of familiar faces. Like Kenny and I are working together again. Like we had not done a sports center in 15 years. And the fact that we get to do that kind of stuff together is really, really fun. Well, and you, people say it's a great time to be in sports media. Yeah. I feel like it's a great time to be established in, in sports media. If you <laughs> yeah. already have an audience <laughs> yeah. like you had and a name that people recognize, 
there's some really nice competition out there yeah. uh, for your services when a contract ends. That, to me, is what's different. I don't know that it's any easier to really break through right now with all the social media channels and what people can get into. But if you have that audience, yeah, it can be pretty easy. That, that's fair. I mean, like, I, I think there's more ways to do it now than ever before, but you have to make sure people are watching you do it, right? That, that's the whole thing. You know, when I started... Go to an affiliate, and, and, and uh, you know, I started in Binghamton, New York, and then Allentown, Pennsylvania, and then I was in St. Louis for six years before being at ESPN for the better part of a quarter of a century. So you're right. That was the way. Or if you want to do play-by-play, you do minor league baseball or minor league basketball and college stuff, and then hopefully work your way up. There's a million different ways to do it now. The question is, can you find an audience? And, and for me, I've been very thankful that a lot of the people that I've uh, sort of known me over the years followed me over to a bunch of different things. So you're right. Uh, there's more opportunities, but the sea is all is is more crowded with fish than ever before, for lack of a better I'm term. I'm sure every episode of Half Forgotten History is like a child to you, <laughs> but I, I'm going to ask you to pick a favorite child. What's what's like the best thing that you've turned up as you've looked at the, back at these stories? Well, I, I'm th- thank you for saying that because. Honestly, like, that's what I always wanted. I just wanted to talk about football. Like, that's, I didn't care about all the other crap. I just wanted to talk about football and getting these guys on and, and telling their stories. Like, Ryan Leaf was one of my favorites. I'm not going to lie to you. We had him uh, earlier this week. He's like, terrific. Uh, you know, his story from being just everything you would not want your franchise quarterback to be to finding his life was – it's remarkable. You know, the Alex Smith one was great when he comes back from – that horrific, uh, that horrific leg injury and, and things like that. I just taped one uh, a couple weeks ago that's going to drop with Tiki and Rondé Barber. They were so much fun just going back and forth, you know, about the idea of, like, I was always following you and you were the leader. No, it, the, to get the people behind, like, when we did the draft, the fun part for me of the draft was telling who these kids were, not what their numbers were, not what their stats were, but where they came from, the things that they had to, to go through. And I feel like the Half Forgotten History podcast is very similar to that. So I, I'm really proud of that. So thank you for saying that. Is the draft be, uh, out of control? Well, it's, yeah, it's like a controlled chaos. Um, but it's, I always say the draft is the ultimate reality television show, right? Because no one knows what's going to happen. Like, let's just go back to 2016, the first year the draft was in Chicago. You know how much money you could have made if you had inside information that right before Laramie Tunsil was going to be picked, a video of him smoking weed in a gas mask <laughs> was going to pop up. Like, no one is prepared for that. Like, it, there's, no, there's no rundown that says, should gas mask bong weed show up, <laughs> this is what you do. So you have to find a way to navigate. And one of the great things about Caesars is that guy standing right over there, Jim Carr, uh, was the chief researcher for the draft for many, many years, and also Monday Night Football, and now he works with me at Caesars. So it's a lot of the familiar faces doing stuff. And, and I, if you don't mind, i got to share this story Please. about the 2020 draft uh, because Jim used to put together these great packets for us. I thought you were about to reveal another gas mask weed smoking well, video for another prospect. That's, yeah, that, that, I'll kill him in April. No, <laughs> I, I thought he got bored. Uh, kidding. No, no. So this is, this is a, an evaluation of Joe Burrow, who's playing on Sunday, from the 2020 draft packet that Jim put together for me. Burrow played on a travel basketball team when it was nine. And one time they were trailing by eight points with about 30 seconds left. The coach said we thought it was over, but then Burrow took over, scoring nine consecutive points, including seven straight foul shots. I'd never seen anything like it, his coach said. It was then that I knew it was different than anyone else. I couldn't believe the poise under pressure and competitive drive demonstrated by a nine-year-old. And this coach, by the way, is a sociology professor at Ohio University. 
After the game, I told his parents that Joe had the kind of qualities you'd find in cops and first responders, as well as serial offenders. Vanderbilt <laughs> <laughs> said he had the kind of qualities these people have where his pulse doesn't change. So in other words, if he wasn't a great quarterback, he might be the best criminal of all time. And that sort of sums up who he is, He's right? Dexter. That's He's an incredible exactly story. Right. Nine right. points in 30 seconds. I and keep they just about kept they fouling him, and, they just, and he kept making it. Like it he makes had, me flashback to Reggie Miller yeah, at the Garden. Yeah, yeah. He has this disassociative property where the moment is irrelevant, and he just does what is necessary, and I think that sums up why the Bengals are here. You know, Paul doesn't talk to a lot of ESPN people after he left, but I think that's, that's because no one likes Paul. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I curious, like Paul. I'm curious, when you leave, do you still have a ton of friends Absolutely. you keep in contact with, or do they shut off communication I, well, when you leave ESPN? There's, there's always this thing. I'll Corporate. say this. You're, so, you, you're, you're always surprised with who you hear from and who you don't, right? That's always whenever. You're always surprised from who you hear from and who you don't. Most of the people, 99.9 of them, like I was texting Golick this morning, uh, I still do work with Schlereth. So, yeah, everybody that was – I considered my – because there's three kinds of coworkers, right? There's your, there's your coworkers, they're your friends, and then they're your boys, right? All of the guys that I considered my boys, including some women that I worked with, uh, are still – we still stay in touch. So that has never changed for me. Uh, but you find out real quickly you thought this person was in this category. Maybe they're in a different category. What's the best uh – What's the best offer for Caesars this week? Well, there's a couple great prop bets out there. One of them is we haven't had a safety since Super Bowl 48. Uh, that was the first snap of the game over Peyton's head. Uh, no Sean Moreno covered it in the end zone, 43-8 the final score. Seahawks rolled them. That's the longest stretch we've ever had without a safety in a Super Bowl. And you get, you get odds plus 800 that there'll be a safety any time during the game. I like that one. The other one is will there be a defensive score, a defensive player score a touchdown? Uh, you know, on a through an offensive play. We've had that happen three times. I mean, obviously, like uh, Malik Jackson scored in Super Bowl 50 on a fumble recovery. We're talking about an offensive play for a defensive player. Uh, Fridge did it in Super Bowl 20. That was the first sort of exotic prop bet ever. And Mike Vrabel has caught two touchdown passes yep. from Brady in Super Bowls 38 and 39. You get pretty good odds on that one, too. And with the, with the age we're in where you see so many packages where people come in on offense, hell, we had a thick six in the AFC Championship game a couple years ago. The Titans lineman, was it Kelly? Yeah. Yeah, it was Kelly. Dennis Kelly scored, so... Uh, I like that one as well. Those, those are the fun ones, right? Besides oh, who scores first, who has the most yardage. Something a little exotic, not a lot of risk, potentially high reward. Let's go like in it. big. Let's yeah. go in big. Like Let's go. Push. Look. Trey Wigo has been our guest. Uh, finally, is it true the, the, the ESPN interview, um, the entry interview, you take a quiz over, like, name the backup oh, shortstop? Yeah. Sports for the- knowledge. Rinaldi told us about Johnny Jaha his first time. Yeah. He didn't know that Johnny Jaha was the backup first baseman with Milwaukee. I did not take a quiz. So some I know some people had to do that. Maybe they had eschewed that by the time I got there. I don't know. Uh, but in 1997, I will say when I went in for my demo audition, you know, they, they put me there in the set and they're like, oh, something's broken. We got So I sat there for like 45 minutes ready to do this little six minutes that I felt might change my life. And I'm like, are you guys sweating me out right now? Is that what you're doing to see how I handle just waiting around? And I never got a straight answer about it, but uh, I didn't have to take the quiz, but I was like, can we do this already? Like, I'm ready. I'm good. Like, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. It's like waiting for the halftime at Super Bowl. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. Took a long time. Then you were like uh, McCartney or Lennon and say, I hope, I hope we passed the audition. <laughs> exactly. Very much. Exactly. Trey, good to see you, man. Good to see you guys. Thanks Appreciate it. Congrats Paul. on the success Thanks, as well. man. Appreciate you. Yeah. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Trey Wingo knows the great offers from Caesars Sportsbook. Here is one from FanDuel.com. FanDuel.com slash OK360 is the website for the Super Bowl 56-1 to offer. 
Bet $5, win $280 on either team to win the game. You're not betting the spread. You're betting the straight money line on either the Bengals or the Rams to win the big game this weekend. Max bet of $5. It's got to be your first bet when you sign up at FanDuel.com slash OK360. This bet pays cash money. $5 to win $280 in cash and not site credit. All you need to do is to register at FanDuel.com slash OK360. That's a great offer for this weekend, and a player to bet on now and moving forward is Saints linebacker Demario Davis. He's been one of the top Saints defenders over the last few seasons. Former Arkansas State star. Uh, a, a, a lot to get into with you. And you've, you're in town for a big breakfast on Saturday, right? I am. I am excited about it. So I'm here for the 35th annual uh, Super Bowl breakfast. And um, I like being in spaces like this because it, it uh, represents things outside the game, character, yeah. family, faith, and all the things that transcend the game. Um, and anytime I'm able to be in a space like that, uh, was awarded last year as a Bart Star uh, Award recipient. Huge honor. And now I get to pass that on to Russell Wilson. So uh, just amazing. You also look like you're a fan of a big breakfast. <laughs> we are, for sure. Uh, you, for sure. Like, you like a big breakfast to start the day? For sure. That's the most important meal of the day. You have to, man. What, what you eat this morning? Uh, a protein bar, unfortunately. Uh, on, but, I, but I normally am a fan of the big breakfast, skip the lunch, go to dinner. Yeah. At some point. Uh, but I load up on calories in the morning most of the time. So I'd be a fan up. of this breakfast like you. Yeah, come on, man. We need you. Uh, J.W. Marriott. Um, we'll be over there from 8 to 11 that morning. Paul, you, you in? I, I'm a, a big Bonvoy Marriott member. I'm disappointed <laughs> we're not staying at a Marriott. There you go. There you go. Myth points. It's all about the points. <laughs> most definitely. Where, where you at? Where you ranked at? Uh, I, I'm up there. I get uh, six or 700,000 points right now. Okay. I think I'm, I'm in gold. In gold, I gotta, I gotta get it up. Yeah, my card is That's good. Humble, like if you drop, rag. if you drop my my Marriott card, it it it's metallic yeah, card. Yeah, it makes you, a lot of noise. That, that that means you're doing your thing. Yeah. <laughs> your thing. <laughs> um, Sean Payton is doing his thing. Uh, he is uh, leaving as head coach, not retiring. Made that clear. Stepping away right now. Um, what was your experience like playing for him in New Orleans? Oh, phenomenal head coach. Uh, amazing leadership. Um, you know, Sean is probably the best uh, forward thinker I, I, I've been around. His, the way that he can uh, foresee things that are going to happen down the line, he can he can prepare us out for things that are three, four weeks ahead, and then they happen exactly like he says, you know, planning for certain situations that are going to come up in the game, and then you get in the fourth quarter and you're going through the, that exact situation. I think that's what made him uh, a great football mind as a coach. But then uh, just his ability to recruit guys that were uh, like-minded, uh, winning-type guys to create that culture to where you come into our locker room and you don't have to say much. You know, it's just a lot of environment where everything is kind of understood and everybody is uh, respectful in that way and respects the process and puts in the work, and that's the reason why the, the organization has had the amount of success that it's had. And then before that, Drew Brees retires. A lot of transition in New Orleans. A lot. Uh, with the Saints, um, what was year one like without Drew Brees, and then of course leading into this offseason, where now Sean Payton is gone? Well, that's a, it's 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 a it's a challenge anytime you lose a Hall of Fame player, especially at the most important position on the field. Um, but we were in a unique situation where we were poised to make that transition. Uh, we had a phenomenal defense, um, had a really good uh, quarterback 
potentially in, in, in Jameis Winston, who had played a lot of snaps. And so we knew if we can go out and play good defense and, um, and have efficiency um, on the offensive side of the ball, not turn the ball over, we were going to have a chance to be really successful. And I think when Jameis went down, we were 5-2 and two at that point, you know, poised for a great season. The thing we didn't really have enough of was just depth, and we kind of knew, like, we were going to have to try to keep the wheels on. And, and so when the wheels started, you know, uh, wobbling a little bit with guys getting banged up, you know, we struggled. But, I mean, the team had phenomenal resilience. I mean, just talking about the makeup of the type of guys in the locker room for us to, to go through all that we went through and still finish with a winning record. Um, and so transitioning forward, I think, I think the, the team was in a good situation. I imagine a lot of you guys were rooting for Dennis Allen. <clears throat> On the outside, we expected it, maybe it would happen pretty quickly, but then they had a, a pretty thorough search before they did land on him. Tell us about uh, what he was like as a coordinator and what you're expecting now. Yeah, man, um, just being in the locker room with him every single day, uh, watching the way that he prepares and, and the way that he gets guys uh, ready for the game, uh, just phenomenal. Another great football mind um, the past four years, uh, being you know one of the top defenses in the league over that, that time span, that's, that's a huge uh, attribute to him and the, type, and, and the type of coaches that he has around him and the players that, that they've been able to accumulate. Um, and so knowing that he would always put us in the best situation to win, that's what you want as a coach, and knowing that, that he can do that. And um, having somebody that understands the culture and understands where we are and can continue to move it forward and not have to make a whole bunch of changes, that's a good thing for where the team is at. Saints linebacker Demario Davis with us. How are you related to Steve McNair? That's my first cousin. Yeah, Did my first cousin. So his dad is the oldest of 10 for my grandma and grandfather, and my mom is the tent. So he's the, okay. his dad is the oldest brother, and my mom is the youngest. And so it's my first cousin. So he passed in, was it 2009? I believe it was. We know it was July 4th. Yeah. Um, did you know him? Like, did you? Yeah, I knew him well. I used to spend time out at his ranch. Uh, when, yeah. I was, when I was a little kid, he was actually, him and some of my other cousins were the reason I started playing football. So in Thanksgiving, it was big for the little cousins, and we were, uh, four, five, six, they just throw us the football and make us play against each other. And so, like, <laughs> two of the older cousins would be quarterbacking, and then the little kids would have to run around and play against each other. And that's how I started playing football. And, yeah, I remember I remember that very well. That's an incredibly athletic family. You had yeah. a brother, Fred, who played quarterback also. Uh, how did that help you when you had these get-togethers and you got to go against, I'm, I'm assuming there's other athletes in the family also, kind of a trial by fire if you're playing that backyard game. Yeah, so uh, besides Steve, I probably made it the farthest, and I was the least athletic. Wow. I was the least athletic, and, and it was because I was the youngest, so my mom was the baby, and then I was the baby, so I, so I had all older cousins, and so I grew up losing a lot. <laughs> but it built, it built a work ethic in me because I had to train when, I had to wait till they would go in the house and then get some extra reps in. That's how I got good, and uh, when they came back, I was ready. That's awesome. If the transfer portal was around, uh, Arkansas State in the Sun Belt when you played, mm -hmm. would you have stayed there? I absolutely would have stayed there. Uh, Arkansas State was the greatest experience of my life, and I tell anybody I could have the opportunity to go to any other college, I'm going right back to Arkansas State. But see, but so much happened in my life. I came, came to Christ there. Um, I met my wife there and just had a phenomenal experience uh, with my teammates. We, we led the team to the first undefeated season, uh, first bowl game in, 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 in um, God knows how long. Um, and just phenomenal the way we set that path. And then watch what happened after that, what transpired, that the school went on to win, I think, uh, four out of 
like seven championships, like back to back to back, or five out of the last seven or something. And so, just to be a part of that, I wouldn't trade it, change that for anything. And then, I'm I'm a little bit against the transfer border. So I I, I coach a seven on seven travel team, and I love it. But we're living in an age where you're not teaching kids really accountability and how to deal with adversity. You know, I'm everybody recruits off these seven on seven teams, and if you don't like your situation over here, go over here. Like high school, you don't like your high school, you're not playing. Go over here. Now you go to college, you don't like playing at your college. Go over here. Well, when are you going to learn how to deal with adversity? These kids, all these kids are not going to go to the NFL, which is everybody's just trying to position them so they can have success on the field. But what are they going to do when, you know, their marriage not work out? Just, oh, I'm going to get another one. What's going to happen when you have a kid, you know, and your kid ain't acting right at school? You think you're just going to go get another one? Like, it don't work like that. You got to be able to stay and deal with the adversity. And, you know, if a coach puts you, you know, second string on a third string on a depth chart, Learn how to work to get the starting job, you know. And so, I mean, I, I, I do like the players being able to have the power and take the power into their own hands of a situation because sometimes coaches lie and tell somebody, hey, you're going to be a starter, and then you get there. And I remember my coach told us, he was like, yeah, I know a lot of y'all would lie to, but you're here now. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was the opening. That was the intro yeah, to you guys. That was the era I lived in. But, you know, if you get in a situation like that and you would lie to, you know, maybe go on. But. Right. Not everybody. Listen, yeah, everybody shouldn't be hitting the transfer portal. You know, I, I, I refer to it as it's like I, I grew up on Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. If you were having a bad game in the first quarter, you hit the reset button. <laughs> you know, and you start yeah, over. That's it. That's the same thing. And, and life don't work like that. You can't just press start, quick game, restart. No, it don't work like that in life. Yeah. And uh, we, It'd be we, nice. We're giving, we giving them that outlet in a lot of situations. And learning that at 16, 17, 18 year, years old in a pivotal areas of, of life that this is how life works it, we're, we're setting a bad precedent for, for the men in the future I believe. Demario Davis has been our guest linebacker for the Saints and he's handing out the Bart Starr Award on Saturday morning to Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson for more information on that SuperBowlBreakfast.com. Mm-hmm. Good to have you on the show man. Hey, thank you guys. Terrific Thank stuff. you. Yeah. That was good. Demario Davis our guest stay tuned a lot more coming from Radio Row at Super Bowl 56 with Outkick 360. The last You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Six Super Bowl underdogs of four points or more have all covered. Outkick 360 rolls on with... Some music playing that we're going to hear at halftime. Yes. Um, Paul, I want to pick the Bengals, but throughout this week, you have been giving me stats and figures that point me in the opposite direction. I, I am picking the Bengals, but every good stat that I come across is anti Bengals. <laughs> and I'm still picking the Bengals. I just, this is one of those I have a feeling games for me. Yeah. Uh, this is from a PFF guy, Arjun Menon. Why do I think Joe, Bra- uh, Joe Burrow struggles Sunday? His worst four games this year have come against teams running Vic Fangio's pre-snap too-high scheme. Bears, Browns, Chargers, and Broncos all rank in the top 16 in pre-snap too-high looks. 
top 16 isn't that big to me. Top who has, who has yeah. the most snaps with this look? The Rams. Wow. On top of the fact that the Rams have that defensive front. I saw it, it may have been in that article, Paul, that you're referencing, but something about Joe Burrow against zone coverage versus man and how much better he is uh, against man. But then when you really look at the numbers, I think most quarterbacks fare better against man. Yes. Everybody's uh, better. Yeah, so it's I don't easier know. To, easier to but maybe through. maybe the difference was there was a big discrepancy between zone versus man, and he's going to see a lot of zone in this game. Look, I understand the basic things that, uh, you know, these intricate statistics like the one I just read, or the basics like Aaron Donald should do great against a not great interior offensive line of the Bengals or that the Bengals don't cover slot receivers well and Cooper Cup lines up in the slot a lot well. But these seem to me to be very simple, straightforward things. And uh, Dick Vermeil said this last night. He, he's, he's got a Rams background. He won a Super Bowl uh, with the Rams and was with the Rams in an earlier incarnation. Um, he said, you know, it only takes one thing. It's not the best of seven. He was hitting on all those things. And he said... And we've seen in these playoffs recently uh, the better team not win. Um, and, and, so, and, and to me, when the better team finishes uh, not winning, the team that wins becomes the better team. I can't think of um, a team that's gone more worse to first than Cincinnati. I'm trying to think of a, super, a team appearing in a Super Bowl that was as bad as they were just a year ago to, to the Super Bowl the, the following year. I feel like we would have seen it loudly pronounced if it's the absolute uh, best Well, one of, one of them, I mean, the Rams in 99. I mean, that was, yeah. they weren't anything prior to that. And you had the greatest show on turf with Mike Martz coming in and then Kurt Warner taking over. Um, you know, it, I'm trying to think through the years – there have been teams that have reached the Super Bowl that I didn't think were very good. The Chicago Bears come to mind against Indianapolis that year and yeah. the point rain in Miami. Rex Grossman. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as the historical perspective, I mean, you never picked the Bengals. Nineteen ninety eight they are. 1998 Rams were 4-12. Yeah. That's pretty close. So, uh, on par. But uh, Cincinnati was 3-13? and 13? Yeah. It was also a change of quarterback. 12-1? You know, that, that, that also was – precipitated by the change to Kurt Warner and the season he had. Same quarterback injured right. the end of last year, but same quarterback a year older. So how about this for here, – here's a stat in the Bengals' favor. The Rams turned the football over on 11.8% of their possessions this season. The Bengals create a turnover on 12.7% of their defensive possessions. Now, thank you or for bringing something to the table that – Defensive uh, that output. There you go. That helps your pick, Paul. Yeah, how about that? helps my pick a lot. I mean, over ten percent of the time, that's 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 a big. Well, it's one turnover. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're averaging ten possessions a game, you know, you're you're turning it over, and and the, that's that's why the Bengals have been able to go on this run. They you know they will allow the sacks. Burrow has just not been turning the football over. Now, when I say that, I mean, he's had a couple of picks, but it's not egregious. You know, it's a great. Scooping uh, off the right. turf uh, by a money. But who's Hooker. more likely to throw the egregious pick in this game? I think it's Stafford. It's Stafford. I think it's Stafford. And that, that's again, this go <laughs> going against your pick once again. 
with, but, uh, with what you think is going to happen. But Stafford, I no, actually, that, that does that, help that you. Yeah, 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 you yeah, got yeah. Cincinnati. I feel as right though side. they're going to press it more down the field. Burrow in the playoffs, they have not had those explosive plays. You know, it, but they, ha- they have had some explosive plays, but not down the field. You know, it's all been at the line of scrimmage. Jamar Chase had, what, five catches against the Titans a, a few weeks ago. Only one. Only one beyond the, the line of scrimmage. But at the most crucial moment in the game. Yeah, and he put up yards and, and, and pr- was productive. But they were not putting the football in harm's way. Now, a lot of that has to do with their protection issues. And if Burrow has time, then they're going to let it rip. See, this that's is what where it's, it's definitely season. by design. This this game plan in the playoffs and, and with, with Burrow, yeah. yeah, by design, because of the necessity of a bad offensive line, and a lot of times to me, where you go into a game talking about how likely it is that a guy's just going to be absolutely dominant, even if he's Aaron Donald, how often do you see you go into a game where you say this guy's going to have three sacks and just be in the backfield constantly? Does it turn out that way? Uh, you know, I, I think Aaron Donald's spectacular. I think he's going to be a headache. But I think Cincinnati is going to do a lot to avoid him, including get Burrow out of, out of the pocket. And I just keep going back to what Willie Anderson said, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, the protection's not great. There are going to be 15 to 18 plays where he is unbothered. What does Joe Burrow do with those 15 to 18 plays? And I think he'll do a lot with those 15 to 18 plays. I, I really want to see a showcase for all the talk about Burrow in this game. I, I want to see him do something more than we've seen in the playoffs so far. That, that's what I want to see out of this game. That means Jamar Chase needs to come to play. Yep. T. Higgins is their leading receiver over the last five or six games uh, per, per game in yardage. And the, the next best guy is Cooper Cup in this game. The matchup to watch for sure. Coming up, Nate Boyer on OutKick 360.